I'm comedian, writer, and filmmaker Chuck Staten from the punk band Senior Discount. And I'm writer and comedian Brad Rohr from the Providence Improv Guild. And this is the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 480 of the Chuck and Brad podcast. I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm all right. I'm going to do this episode with my eyes closed. <laughs> Why are your eyes closed? I, I, my eyes were closed to focus on the opening, <laughs> and then I kept them closed because I realized how weird it was. It was just because you wanted to remember the numbers 480? Yes. Oh, okay. That's a, a lot of episodes, it's, quite frankly. It's quite a bit of episodes over the past 11 years. We're going to come up on 12 years this January, yes, right? Yes, I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's great that we still listen to every episode we've ever done before we record a new one. It's, you know, it's getting to be it's a real really, pain in the ass. It's really, yes, getting to be we troubling. We start on, I guess we, we no, because that wouldn't make, I don't think we could do it in a week, like could two, we? No, no, not even close. <laughs> like a month at yeah, this point. Yeah, take a month, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Well, uh, I hope we have some new listeners to the Chuck and Brad podcast, uh, if there are new listeners here, welcome. I hope you stick around. I know a lot of people tuned in for Tesdy Town History so far with Walt and Getem, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I appreciate all the positivity that's coming in from that. Uh, this is going to be a normal episode. What we decided was, you know, there's five episodes of Tesdy Town History that have been recorded. Right. Yes. That's what we have. And I was like, well, in, and on the regular podcast, what we do here is we do... Um, interviews occasionally and a lot of times it's just me and brad and then once in a while we'll have an interview or a guest or whatever um honestly if it was up to me the perfect uh the perfect balance for our podcast would be one week with me and you yeah then one week with an interview right then one week with me and you um which we don't always you know that's we don't usually hit that we are our regular episodes of just us sitting together are more common than uh our interview episodes right but I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do a complete five weeks of interviews because we're falling so behind on talking about things that are going on. Right. You know, our normal podcast, well, to be honest, outside of coronavirus, yes, uh, our normal podcast will be about... Um, stuff you know, we're doing, like a creative yeah, stuff we're doing, exactly. getting ready for a show or recapping a show. Or yes, yes. Like, like I'll be doing, you know, I'll be doing film projects, which I, I am doing that right now, but I'll be doing you know, concerts with my band, Senior Discount. Right. Brad and I will be doing live Chuck and Brad comedy shows at comedy clubs. Brad will be doing his improv yep. shows. Or we'll be working on some other thing. We'll be hosting a live food event for RI Food Fights or whatever we're doing. Right. Um, or even going to concerts and going to comedy shows and doing that kind of stuff. That's a lot of what the podcast has been over the past couple of years is talking about that stuff as well as pop culture stuff. Now, our creative input during this time has really been brought down yes. by the coronavirus and uh we can't even go to really live events at all so um all we really have is the pop culture updating stuff and talking about movies that came out uh tv shows comic book stuff like different things that are that are in the world of pop culture without our actual creative output being talked about right so it has been harder to do episodes which is why it's great that we have tesdy town history as a miniseries right now but I don't want to do just five weeks of that and no current stuff. Right. So we did two weeks of that. This week, we'll do a regular episode of the Chuck and Brad podcast. Next week, we'll be back to Tesdy Town History, and we'll see where it goes from there. Who knows if the series is going to be co-opted by a larger brand? Could, it happen. could happen. Yeah. It could happen. Yeah. NPR has been in talks with me about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They, they want to rename yeah. This American Life and they want to call it Tesdi American Life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. And I'm like, that's a terrible title, NPR. Hosted, hosted by Brad and Getum. Yes. Um, that really, two people that when you think of NPR. When you think of American Life, these yes. guys are living it. Yes. I mean, um, technically, you're correct. I guess so. I can't uh, I can't find fault with it. But definitely we'll be back with Tesdi Town History next week. This week is a normal episode. We're going to talk about um, a lot of stuff. The new... Uh, the new Seth Rogen movie, American Pickle. We're going to be talking about uh, the cancellation of Tosh.0 and Drunk History after they Comedy Central renewed them. They then canceled them. Um, and we're going to end with a big discussion about the DC event and all the new DC movies coming out, the video game stuff, and uh, the question of are they turning it around? I Ooh. have opinions. Ooh, and we're going to talk about the documentary series High Score on Netflix yes. about the history of uh, video games. Yep. And the I'll Be Gone in the Dark documentary series. I got to tell you about it on HBO. And also, I was in a crossword tournament, so I'm going to recap every <laughs> single clue. <laughs> every clue. <laughs> Acrosses and downs. Uh, yes. And see if you guys can assemble the crosswords on your own. You know, you know what I wanted to ask? I wanted to ask you this, and I'll ask you on the podcast. Thank you. Every year on the podcast, Brad and I watch an entire horror movie series around Halloween, and... We recap it to our, we recap the whole series as one big story. So like we'll take the entire Friday the 13th franchise and we'll tell it all as one big story to our friend Brian Lau, who hates horror movies. He does. Never watches any of them. Mm -mm. He comes on the podcast. We tell him the whole thing uh, through our points of view. Um, and he kind of gets to hear the story secondhand from us, which really highlights the plot flaws, plot holes, I guess. And the logistical errors in the movie. And we do this every year. And it's like one of my favorite things. We've done Friday the 13th. Yes. Child's Play. Yep. Halloween. Yep. The Leprechaun series. Oh, that was special. Uh, is that it? I think so. Those yes. four? Yeah. So this year, we don't know what series to do. And I was wondering, what do you think about people voting on it? I'm down with that. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Wow. You were quick with that. We're going to post this episode on, you know, the Chuck and Brad Facebook and on Twitter at discount chuck and at instagram at discount chuck yep. that's me on twitter and instagram um and you can comment on the post for this podcast and you can say what movie series you'd like us to do i'll give you a couple options um or you can write us at chuck and brad at gmail.com right or go to chuck and brad podcast.com and just find the contact link and you could do that uh from there too so here here's my thoughts like here's what we could do we could do i mean i guess there's Candyman. I've never watched any of the Candyman okay. movies. I watched the first one many years ago on VHS. I've never watched the Hellraiser movies. Nor have I. What else would be a good option, you think? Uh, I mean, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre a series? Yeah. I, it kind I, of I, is. I don't know if they're technically all There's a lot linked, of reboots. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I haven't... I've only watched the first one. I haven't seen any of them. Yep. Um, then there's like Critters and Tremors. Ooh, there's <laughs> a lot of Tremors. Is <laughs> Is that too many? What's the ones that are uh, kind of notoriously bad? They have the, the the flying balls that have razors in them, the flying metal balls. I Oh, what's that? I had a nightmare about Hellraiser? It. No, I had a nightmare about it when I was young. Oh, but people are like, no, those movies are garbage. So it's it's they're about what do you mean? What are you talking about? I don't understand. These are these are things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're like they're like critters. Uh, sure. Is that what it's like? I don't know what I don't know what it is. All right. So the I just had a nightmare when I was like ten years old about it and it's haunted me forever. All right, so there's the exorcist. Okay. That one has five movies. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at like a like a website. Um, see, like there's also like the Purge and Paranormal Activity, yeah. but those are so current that they're not as funny to right. break down. It's funnier to find uh, franchises that started in like maybe the 80s or early 90s. 
Um, we have we have also done the Scream franchise. Yeah, sort of, yeah, sort yeah. of. Um, it's also kind of. There's only four. Right. Saws to uh, Saws to current. Yeah. So I guess it's Candyman, uh, Hellraiser. I think Critters and Tremors are both franchises. What I, do you yeah, say? I, they're both fair game. If okay. people want to hear us talk about those franchises in particular, <laughs> there's uh, The Exorcist. Anyway, you know what? And, and, and those, these are just my suggestions. If you have a suggestion, I mean, we could watch all the Psycho movies. There's like five of them. Wow. Which I is no really idea. Weird. The Omen has four. Uh, Poltergeist, I guess, has a few. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like we said. Um, looking at, I'm looking online right now. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, we already did. Yeah. All right. So I said them all. Okay. So here's what you do. Just go to this, you know, on, on my Twitter at discount Chuck or at my Instagram at discount Chuck. I've posted about this podcast. It's episode 480. Just comment there. What horror series would you like us to do? We're going to watch all the movies. And then in October, we'll release a podcast where we tell the entire story of the movies to our guest, Brian Lau, like we've done in the past or write us to Chuck and Brad at gmail.com. Or go to chuckandbreadpodcast.com and email the link. Do you, how many Care Bear Halloweens are there? Because Care I would Bear watch a series of Let's Care see. Bear Halloween videos. What do you think? The Care Bears, what do you think? They're they're okay with Halloween? Oh, yeah. They're huge pagans. Oh, there's a Halloween bear. He has what? a jack-o'-lantern on his stomach. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I guess so. Spooky Care Bears Halloween. The only one as far as I, as far oh, as I can tell. not a franchise. Yeah, not a franchise. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm like, man, there was a chill in the air this week. I was like, oh... Is it time for us to start our Halloween viewings? I got to be honest. I almost, there's almost two franchises. I kind of want to redo child's play and Halloween. Okay. Because I'd like it to be me and you watching them and telling Brian Lau. Yeah. And those two were like random. They weren't exactly in the same way. And I think we should do Halloween like two years from now when the final Halloween movies come right, out. After Halloween Kills. Yes. And yeah. I would have done Candyman this year, definitely. If the Candyman movie if was that, coming to theaters. Yeah, yeah, if that new Candyman reboot was coming out, but it got pushed back. I've never watched Candyman. Um, I'd love to watch it. I love horror movies. Uh, Brad is kind of a little bit scared of them. A little bit. <laughs> How scared are you of horror movies? Uh, it depends on the, the movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the circumstances in which we watch them. Like we watched Friday the 13th, 3d or what a part three three and 3d in the woods you know it, like outdoor like, like on a lake it, as it, it was pouring well yeah and it, it was it was not a frightening experience and then we walked I back gonna say it was frightening no no i mean it was frightening in the sense that i'm like what kind of idiots come out to a thing like this how, how many of them are there are they do they all recap the friday the 13th movies for their podcast yeah they probably all do actually and uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, like uh, definitely some of the paranormal activity movies uh, frightened me, but we talked through them. We made the yeah. joke about Catley Stevenson and the yeah. fourth one. And mm. it's, uh, yeah, it, it depends if I'm watching it like by myself and I'm home alone yeah. and then like you've forgotten to return my, I don't know, I don't know, whatever instrument makes a, a terrifying sound, my theremin. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I'll, to turn your theremin. I'll, I'll, you're like, ah, I, I know how I'll let Brad know I'm here. I'll play the theremin outside his window at 3 a.m. Yes, yes, yes. Like, that would frighten me. Yeah, right. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, there was also a time when you, because Brad uh, works at UMass Dartmouth, That's the correct. college, and at some point you were like an RA or something, 
Or you were like, you had to roam the halls at night when no one was there. I, uh, I was a resident director. Right. That's, uh, yes. Professional staff member. Yes. And I was just walking rounds of the building, make sure no pie. And it was over winter break. So nobody is there. <laughs> Literally, I am the only person in a 400 person residence hall. And I'm just walking around to the building. We had watched Paranormal Activity 2 that night at your house. <laughs> yeah. I came yeah. back, walked around yeah. and uh, opened like the, the fire door at the end of one section of the hallway. And yeah. at the other end, the air pressure equalized and it closed the door at the other end. And I just bolted, knowing full well how irrational it was. The the human part of my brain was like, this doesn't make any sense. You know it's just air pressure. And the animal part of my brain was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I turned into like Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble where my legs just spun and made, yeah. made that bongo type sound. Yes. And then down to my apartment as though if there were paranormal activity going on in the building. Running would... R- running running, would, escape running would, would escape it. And then also my apartment door would stop it. Right, of course. So... And you know, it must have. I'm still here. Yeah, I guess it did. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I'm, I get scared really easily, oh, as yeah. you know. Yes, I do. Um, but uh, I love watching scary movies. Okay, so uh, yeah, to just to just to kind of acknowledge the past couple of weeks. Thank you very much to everybody who's been listening to the Tesla Town oh, yeah. History series. Um, I knew that people would be really excited about it, but I didn't realize how excited people would be, and like just how into it they would get. I got so many messages and emails and so many shares and everything on the posts uh, from my interview with Walt, my interview with get Um People just really, really responded to it. And going into it, I really, I felt like one thing that tell them Steve Dave, tell them Steve Dave, you know, they're this cult podcast that has such a big fan base and right. such a diehard fan base now that I think they kind of started out as the underdogs that are kind of in the corner, like, you know, who didn't care what anyone thought about them. Right. But now there's, they have such a big fan base that it's like, I think it makes sense to look at all these moments that they've, that they've had over their history. Right. And I understand that from their point of view, moving forward, it doesn't really make sense for them to stop and talk about that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so as a person who is a listener of the podcast for the past eight years, as well as someone who works on a lot of projects with them now. Um, I was like, oh man, I wish someone would would do something like this and ask these questions and Walt would have to talk about this and Brian would have to talk about this and get him to talk about this. And so I just decided to make it happen. And I, I honestly said, like, I, I think other people that love the podcast will be interested in this. And I didn't really know. I right. really didn't know. I sent the podcast to a couple people before it came out. I said, do you think people will be into this? And everyone said, yes, that would these tell them Steve Dave fans. And, uh, yeah, the response has been huge, really, really way bigger than we thought. That's great. And, um, a lot of people say they're subscribing to the podcast now. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. A lot of people saying that like, you know, they're excited for the next episode and they love this behind the scenes look. And to be honest, I, I just think that, uh, this viewpoint on the show is something that should be somehow rolled into the tell Steve Dave Patreon. Right. Um, because I think that when someone, you know, subscribes to someone's Patreon, it kind of signals that they believe in the person or the right. entity, the group, whatever yeah. it is. And I think that that, you know, really points to the fact that they want to uh, look behind the scenes as well as uh, all these moments that are important to the to the you know, the podcast or whatever right. it is are important to these people that are interested in the content. So I think something like this should be part of the Tell Me Steve Dave Patreon. Maybe that'll happen in the future. Right. Um, but for now, 
Tesdy Town History is going to continue on on the Chuck and Brad podcast. A couple more episodes to come. Thank you guys for sticking around. I hope you like our podcast too. I hope you continue to listen. I know we've given some suggestions on what episodes to go listen to if you like those episodes. Um, and people have said, oh, it's so great that you did that. Right. Like you guys, you know, you put up the interview with Walt and get and then you say, if you like these episodes, go listen to these other episodes of our podcast. And that's so much better for people to be pointed in a direction rather than just left and to just, flounder. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we really appreciate that. I hope people are, are enjoying our podcast and I hope they stick around for this one. All right. So let's see. We had some stuff this week to talk about. One of my favorite movies, every week, you know, we, we have these big drops of news. Uh, we talk about the entire time. Uh-huh. But before that, we have some movie driplets, yeah, just tiny little drips of news. They are very small. Very small drips of news. Here, I got some movie driplets this week. You ready? Yes, I barely. First movie driplet from GameSpot.com. Uh-huh. John Carpenter's The Thing is getting a reboot. Okay. Second reboot, right? Yeah. Fourth, third reboot. Third reboot, yeah, because, yes. Because the first one came out in like the... F- 40s or 50s yeah, or 50s, something? 50s, I think. And then John Carpenter's The Thing is actually the reboot, right? which is like one of my favorite, if not my favorite sci-fi movie of all time. I think it came out in 82. And uh, then it had a reboot in 2011, which, you know, I'm not going to... Spoiler free, it wasn't exactly a reboot, you know, as you'll... You know, yeah. if you watched it. Um, and then uh, now this is another reboot. Here's what it says. A lot of boots. Two people's worth of boots. John Carpenter has revealed that he is currently in the process of remaking or rebooting his 1982, oh, I got it right, sci-fi horror classic, The Thing. Speaking on a panel over the weekend at Fantasia International Film Festival, the director was asked during the Q&A portion whether he has any new directing projects currently in the pipeline with production partner Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse Productions. Um, he's, uh, he's, this is a really strange quote. That I have... I don't know about that, Carpenter said via Variety, but we've talked about, I think he's going to be working on the thing, rebooting the thing. I'm involved with that, maybe, down the road. What's <laughs> weird he, about was that he, quote? Was he, was he drunk during this? I, <laughs> That's so weird. Um, this quote confirms rumors from back in January when producer Alan Dons posted to Facebook, it's official, I received my signed contract and my first check, I'm executive producing a remake of the thing. So, uh, looks like they're going to remake the thing. Okay, so the 19- I'm a new audition for the dog. <laughs> my uh, the 1982 thing, the thing, is like one of my like I said one of my favorite sci-fi movies, if not my favorite. Right. And a big part of it is the practical effects. You could audition do. for the spider dog. I could be with well, the spider head. Is yeah. there a spider dog? Uh, it doesn't. Something grows out of the yeah, dog. Yeah, something right? grows out of the dog. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call that a spider. There is a spider head, like yeah, with true. legs walking yes. around. Um, I love the 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 special effects in that. Like the 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 practical effects are fucking amazing. I mean, I mean, Kurt Russell is amazing in it. I love yep. it. The whole thing is awesome. And uh, they made the 2011 reboot, which I remember thinking was okay, like pretty good. Yeah. But I feel like, and maybe this is just a rumor that's circling around in my brain. I think, I really think that like they made practical effects in that movie and they, they did test screenings and people didn't like it. So they went over it with CGI to make it feel more That normal. sounds right. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like I said, I don't know if that's true. I think maybe Mary Elizabeth Winstead was the main character or something like that. John McClane's daughter from Die Hard 4. Yes, of course. Um, that's where people know her from. Yeah. Is it, What else is it? I don't know. She's been in a lot of stuff. Like what? I don't know. It's a Scott comic. Pilgrim? Yes. I don't know what she's in. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember liking it. But then again, sometimes I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself looking back. Sometimes I feel like I like a thing 
or and then I go back and I'm like, I really like this. But then I was like, oh, this was just like, okay. And I was kind of bummed. Huh. Scream 4, remember? Yes. I was like, oh, I love Scream 4. And there are some amazing parts to Scream 4. That's correct. Some stuff that I absolutely love. I think it's great. But watching it back, there was a little bit of like, ah, man, this is kind of, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. So I hope I like it. Uh, what's your relationship to the thing? I didn't watch it until I watched it with you at some point. Did you watch it during a scary January? I think we did. Yeah. Was it the night that we got, we almost died in the snow? No, that, that was the <laughs> night we watched the documentary Bully, I think. <laughs> And so uh, we watched we watched the documentary Bully, which I thought was a good documentary. Yeah, well meaning. And then we started then we to watch some something barbecue. else. So so it's so funny. So we live in Rhode Island, and you know it's a regular East Coast thing where like sometimes there's blizzard, sometimes there's snow, sometimes there's not yep. that much snow, right. sometimes a lot. And so I remember like it was like there's gonna be a lot of fucking snow. There's gonna be so much fucking snow. You're never gonna live. And we're like shut up. Remember yeah. that? I do. <laughs> so Brad came to my house. Was it just me and you, right? Yes, it was. My, I, mean, I had broken up with my ex-girlfriend. Yep. And Jordan, my roommate, had not moved in yet. Right. So this must have been December of 2012. At January? January of 2013. Okay. Yes. Um, and we're like, we're fine. Brad came over. Uh, we made some barbecue chicken nachos, or barbecue pork nachos. Yep. And we watched the documentary Bully. That all of my electricity went out. Yes. Right? I think we, we were playing a game or so, something afterwards because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want to be home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's snowing really heavily. Wicked hard. I, Wicked I, hard. I walked the one mile to your house because yeah, park, the street parking ban, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're like, we were like, we were like, oh man, like the snow, you know, the electricity went out. I was like, whatever. I was like, oh, let's go to my parents' house, which is also pretty close. Yeah, all the news has been like, stay off the roads. <laughs> they don't have time to plow. Yeah. It's horribly unsafe to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard because we, when you live around a place, I mean, if you live around a place where it snows a lot, you know, sometimes they say that and there's nothing. Right. And sometimes they say there's not gonna be a lot of snow. There is, you never know it's true. So I was like, let's go to my parents' house. They have a generator. So we get in my car. And so, and I took, I was like, oh, we're just going to go to my, my parents' house. We'll have to sleep there. So I got like my pillow, all my blankets from my bed. I packed a gym bag. Do you remember? I packed all my stuff, I, my I laptop yes. and my tablet. We get in my car. You I know, start- one thing you didn't have <laughs> was a snow shovel. <laughs> That's true. So I, I, we went to back out of my driveway and do you remember like, we couldn't even get out of my driveway. Could not get out of your driveway. And we're putting like, we're putting like salt under my tires we're trying and cardboard to, we're trying to scrape like using a snow scraper scrape snow out of the way but the snow is like 15 inches deep <laughs> yes and still falling so we, we we finally get out into the road the whole town my whole town of warren Rhode island was pitch black yep. there was like no lights anywhere That's correct all the street lights were out and everything yes so we're driving we get out into the road it took us like an hour to get out of my driveway yes i remember then we started driving then we went off the road yep and then we'd go back on the road and we went off the road again and there's a policeman walking the streets. Remember yep. that? And he's like, what are you fucking idiots doing? <laughs> and we're like, we don't know. We rode to my parents' house. I got my pillow in the car. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you gotta get the fuck home. You can't drive anywhere. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now. And he's like, park at the post office because it was close by. Yeah. Municipal parking. No problem. We, we parked. We tried to go there. We couldn't even get there. Really. We had to push the car there. Right? Twice. Yeah. And it was like deep snowing hard. Right. So from there, we're kind of like, I would say almost like in between my house and your house. Probably a half mile from each of our houses. Yeah, yes. exactly. Half mile from each. So I'm like, I guess we just each go home. But I had brought like my pillow, my blankets, all my blankets from my bed. And like, I need, I knew I needed them because my power was out. No heat. And I had my big bag of all my stuff. 
And I'm they're like, all right, let's part ways. I'm like, see you later. You know, I start walking home and I'm trudging through the snow. And I, do you remember that I had a lantern, like one of those old school lanterns? Yes, Why did I have that? You, no, you, it wasn't an old school lantern. It was like a battery powered rail vac lantern. Yeah, yeah, it's it, old it school. It looked old school, <laughs> but it was like clear, like plastic made in, made in December of 2012. It was like a month old. It's not an old school we lantern. to the future Don't to get this that lantern. you had a flint and steel and you're like, oh, there's not enough whale oil to light this lantern. That's how it felt to me. Going through the town, it really felt like it felt like I was in like Red Dead Redemption. I was walking back. There's power lines down. <laughs> at one point, it was so treacherous. At one point, I <laughs> fell in the snow, and I'm like, I gotta get up. I can't fall asleep. That's how I felt yeah. too. That's why. So I'm walking and I'm trudging, like taking these steps, and I was like, oh, I'm so tired. And then, like you know, you trip, and I'm holding so much stuff yep. like these bags, and I fall in the snow, and I'm falling face down, and I'm like. I'm so tired. And like, I, I, I'm like, I had the blanket. Yeah. I, I was like, I could just take a nap. <laughs> but like, I've always heard you shouldn't fall asleep in the snow. That's correct. Parish. Yes. Um, and I always thought that was weird. I was you like, know, who, then, like who? then somebody helped you up and you turned to thank him and there was no one there. <laughs> it was like, no, it's like, you always hear like, don't fall asleep in the snow. And you're like, who would fall asleep in the snow? I came very close to falling well, asleep in the snow. you had your pillow and blankets, yeah, of course. And I had my old school lantern. <laughs> it was not old school. It was, it was crazy. So I'm walking home, you know. I'm see. I'm. I, it was so cold. I'm seeing like I saw like a dog like frozen peeing. <laughs> like, I, saw, I saw like I saw like a, a polar bear like fishing a salmon out of the river. I saw an Eskimo. And Eskimo was like, "It's fucking cold out here." So you knew it was real cold. Polar bear. <laughs> I, what, what are you asking me? I don't know. I just think of grizzly bears as the salmon fishers oh, of the bear kingdom. Uh, all right. Well, that was seals. He was okay. getting seals. They were just yeah. baby seals. I couldn't see oh, it. Oh no! It was far away. Uh, you know, I think I saw like a, what's it called? The William Mammoth was, uh, yeah. was getting out of the ice. And so I finally got home and I remember the snow had been blowing towards me. Right. So at some point I had to start walking backwards. I did trudge backwards. Yep. Oh my God. That was quite a tale. Yeah, your eyelashes yeah, froze. My, yeah. my eyelash, my eye, there was ice all across my eyelashes, all on my beard. I had my whole head was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I got home, but yep. here's what's cool. My shower is gas powered right. somehow. And uh, I had hot water. Yep. So I just, I, you know, I, I warmed myself up and uh, I, uh, I thought, you know, I never told you this. I, in my bathroom, I had like a hot water bottle. Right. And well, I'm not going to get into this, but anyway, right. so I had a hot water bottle and I, I took a hot shower. I got in my bed. I knew it was very cold. Um, but I was like, if I just wrap myself like a taco in a blanket, right. a burrito, I guess, then I'll just kind of deal with it. And that's what I did. I, uh, I got home and in my mind, I'm like, oh, I have gas heat. I'm fine. Not realizing that it takes electricity to pump that gas heat yeah. into your home. So I woke up the next morning and it was 38 degrees inside my apartment. Yeah. And my landlord upstairs is like, oh, I'll try and get the generator to work. And I, I think like it powered my refrigerator for 40 minutes. Like yeah, it was, it was know. you know, not great. And he's like, boil water on your stovetop yeah. because then it'll put hot water vapor in the air. So I think during the day, my apartment got up to 45 degrees. Uh, and that night I like went in my car and, you know, like had warmed made, up. made sure the exhaust was clear and everything and tried to warm up and just couldn't. And so I probably like the next night I, I slept from like 4am to 7am and then your power came back on. You're like, come over and take a shower. And I'm like, okay. Yep. And then my power came back on. But man, that was uh, it was such a weird, 
uh, thing like experience. I was going to say that anyway, that night we should have watched the thing. I'm glad Although we it would have made it worse. It would have made it way worse. Yeah. It would have made it way scarier. Yes. I would have been looking around my apartment wondering what the thing is. Well, it's also, no, no, no. It's not going to be an inanimate object. It's going to be you. You're the thing in that, in oh, that case. Oh, no. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah. It's weird to like walk in like a town at night where everything, there's no lights whatsoever. Yeah. It's really eerie. But um, I love the thing. I'll keep my eyes, you know, my hopes, my hopes, uh, cautiously optimistic we also played the thing board game on a previous episode of the podcast yes a long time ago um was it mondo it might have been it might have been mondo uh this this great it's it's you know their website is mondonews.com it might have been mondo someone made a thing board game and it's one of those things like you know some adults are like into really serious board games yep it was for people like that which I'm not necessarily one of those people. I don't do that. Right. But like I could see getting into that. Yeah. And uh, they sent us one to review on the podcast. And we just were like, let's just play it on the podcast. We did a whole podcast episode where it was me, you, uh, my girlfriend, Gina, my roommate, Jordan. And we went through the whole game and played the thing. And it was, I had a lot of it fun. It was a lot of fun, but I, I, I still don't understand the rules. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to really like to listen to this, but people reached out to me and they really liked that Good. episode. It was really fun. I wish I knew what episode that was. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I love the thing. I'll, you know, I'm open to, to that, that being good. Let's see. I'm going to look up the episode right now. I hope you heard my uh, landlord slash upstairs neighbor sneeze just now. I don't know if the mics picked it up, <laughs> but I definitely heard it. It was a full body sneeze. Like, yes. like he was in a chair and he sneezed so hard his body folded up and then, you know, recollapsed and his, his heels hit the floor, <laughs> thumped on the floor with the power of his sneeze. The episode was episode 353. We play the thing, Infection at Outpost 31. There we go. Um, wow. I'm glad my landlord sneezed so I could stall for time by talking about that while you looked it up. Yeah, episode really 353. really worked out well. Go to com. find episode 353. Um, yeah, so let's see. What else What else do I have for... That's one driplet. It's one one driplet. Um, what's my next it's driplet? The thing reboot. Next one. Uh, the Action Park documentary. Did you watch the documentary for the, the uh, trailer for this? Yes, I did. Wow. Action Park, historically one of the most, considered one of the most dangerous theme parks yes. in, in American history. Yeah, this article is from comingsoon.net. Yep. It's called HBO Max's Class Action Park Trailer and Key Art Debuts. Uh, HBO Max has released a trailer and key art for Class Action Park, the first ever documentary on the world's most dangerous amusement park, set to premiere on the streamer on Thursday, August 27th. That's a weird way to put like HBO Max as a streamer. Uh, maybe they're like trying Netflix to, to coin streamer. it. Yeah. Huh. The documentary re- reveals the truth about New Jersey's Action Park, widely regarded as the world's most dangerous amusement park and a staple of growing up in the New York, New Jersey area in the 80s and 90s. There have been many famous Action Park alumni that have shared their experiences over the years, inspiring feature films, scripted series, and most recently a tell-all book written by the son of the genius madman that founded the park. For the first time, fans new and old will be able to experience firsthand the insanity of this dangerous water park via real-life footage and testimonials. I think the trailer looks fucking awesome. Yeah. It, it was cool, too. I was on Reddit, and someone posted on, like, filmmaking. They were like, I edited this. I'm so excited for this to come out. And I was talking back and forth with the guy that did it. And nice. he's like, here's how it happened, like, how the documentary came together. Right. And they pitched it everywhere. No one wanted it. Wow. And then then HBO finally bought it. Nice. Um. Yeah, it's funny because I became familiar with Action Park actually when this great YouTube channel called Defunct Land did a documentary on it. Right. And Defunct Land started out as a YouTube channel that would do like a like a thirty minute documentary about defunct rides in Disney World. Right. Um, and Disneyland, and then eventually, 
they were doing Universal Studios and different ones, and they did a big one about Action Park, and it was really interesting. I actually put it on and just listened to it on the way back from one of the filming trips to Jersey. Okay. I listened to that, um, or, you know, and, and, and eventually I watched it too, the Defunct Land documentary, and I watched, we watched the movie with Johnny Knoxville. Yes. What was it called? Action Point, maybe? No, I think uh, it was called, I think that they didn't get the rights to it, I okay. thought. No? Johnny Knoxville uh, theme park, I'm putting it into Google right now. It was called, oh, it was called Action Point. Hmm. Oh, because the real life is not called Action Point. Yeah, the real one's Action Park. Oh, I see. Action Park. Yep. It was called Action Point, which, uh, you know, that was a weird project. I liked his stunt stuff in it. Yes. I thought that was fun. Um, But uh, I'm really excited for this. I mean, you know, I talk about this a lot, but, and I'll, I'll talk about it more later too, but we're just like spoiled by how good documentary filmmaking has got right where there's just, uh, we'll talk about it when I get to the series, but I'm sure it's going to be a plus basically. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some real topics. Uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is this Tosh.0 thing. And it's funny cause it's not like I'm crazy about Tosh.0. I just think that this is really strange. So here's, here's an article gamespot.com. Tosh.0 is canceled season 12 to be its last. All right. Ready? Yes, I am just barely. Actually, let me see as long as this is uh no, see, this doesn't even have it. Uh, okay. What I wanted to mention was basically, it's not, it's not mentioned in this article, but in January, Comedy Central renewed Tosh.0 yes. for four seasons. Right. And I believe they renewed Drunk History for I don't know how long. I thought it was three seasons. Maybe. And then like last week, you know, a couple months later, seven months later, let's say. They were like, oh, we changed our mind. We're canceling Tosh.0 and we're canceling Drunk History. Right. Isn't that kind of unprecedented in television? I mean, I to to bail that soon on such a long deal. I mean, I don't know that it's unprecedented, but it's it's not the norm. You think it's you think that coronavirus affected this? Uh I I don't know. I it's weird because I don't know the the shake up in terms of like the staffing at the top of Comedy Central. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if people there are like, no, we're just going to go in a different direction and promises made by the old regime aren't necessarily holding up as, as they would have, you know, or maybe they just, maybe coronavirus did have something to do where they're like, oh, all right, uh, these costs to do these shows are unsustainable, which by the way, the budget for both of these shows cannot be crazy. That's uh, one of the things that's so shocking to me. Right. And it's like, so, you know, you've got to think that when a company shelves a show, they think that they can fill that slot with a show that's going to attract more viewers. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's weird just because I think about like the fact that like, you know, like I'm sure Daily Show is huge. I'm sure South Park is huge. But I would think that Tosh.0 and Drunk History are at the top of their most popular shows list. Right. Um, I believe what they said was they're going to focus going forward. They're going to focus on um, adult animated shows topical comedy shows like daily show. Right. And I think it was made for TV movies. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because I'm like, are they going to get away from stand up? You know, that's, that's what it sounds like, but it's hard for me to imagine comedy central without stand up or without the roasts or, or things like that. I wonder if like, cause you know, we're, we're, we're big fans of uh, Joe list who is a kind of like a, one of those people that's like on the rise. Yep. Um, he was on our podcast a little while ago and he's a great guy that I, I stay in contact with. He came out with his special this summer and Mark Normand, who is also on his, on his, uh, on his podcast Tuesdays with stories. They do a podcast together. I also stay in contact with Mark and I did some graphical stuff for his trailer for his special. Um, both of them 
and Sam Murill, who is another great up and comer from New York, they all self-funded their specials this this summer, right? Um, to be shot by you know they they shot them themselves. They hired a crew and then they sold their specials to different places. Mark didn't even do that. He put it up on his YouTube for right. free, and he got like two and a half million views. So, with the advent of comedians being able to do it themselves, right? Um, Netflix and HBO doing these big comedy specials. Does Comedy Central feel like? we don't have like, there's not really room for us or we're unnecessary or you know what I mean? It's strange. You know, it's, it's, if they can make more of a profit doing yeah. whatever, whatever's next from uh, Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, they're like, doing a new Ren and Stimpy. They are, they are a business. So yeah, if it, and, and I'm not saying that the commercial time during Rick and Morty is what earns them the money, but all this merchandising money. Yeah. You think, oh, so you think they might be looking for another Rick and Morty. I think they might an, be an extension I think, of the daily show. I think they're looking for profit. Just yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's hard. It's hard because I kind of feel like, and tell me if you feel the same way. There are like a million like adult animated series that came out. Yep. And then there are like the six that became big successes. That's true. So it's tough. It's, Al- it's although do you think the ones that are not as big of a success are still really are still really profitable? There, yeah, there's still a way to mm. turn a profit on on all those things. And if they're like, all right, well, we're going to be the destination for this. Yes. Um, and like you said, if if HBO and Netflix get the arena comics, yes. for lack of a better term, and the the kind of club and I guess hall comics, yeah, uh, are are doing their own specials or or self releasing yeah. or looking for other venues, yeah. Then maybe Comedy Central is like, look, we don't we do, we can't make enough money off this. Well, here's what's weird: Comedy Central actually bought Sam Marils, right, and they bought Joe, Joe List, List only to be released on their YouTube, right. So the Comedy Central YouTube owns that but they right. weren't aired on comedy central yeah it seems very it, strange yeah I, I don't understand it but uh i'm i'm not a tv guy i'm not a streamer guy so yeah. you know let the bosses at the streamers figure it out what do you mean you're not a streamer guy oh you, you don't know about I, the financials just, just no the, the terms of i know the, the streamer term i know hbo um, max is a streamer i know i know netflix I know. is a streamer but you are a streamer guy then yeah well no i'm saying i'm not a, a streamer executive how's that <laughs> yeah, that's what you mean all right yes you're a streamer fan yes yeah, it's just it's just really strange. Oh, I watch streamers all the time, and it's not like <laughs> it's not like I'm like, oh my god, we need Tosh Porno. It's just so strange that, yeah. th- that they're going in this direction. And if they came out and said we're not going to focus on uh, live comedy anymore, I think people would like rebel. Oh, absolutely. But but that might be actually what they're saying, kind right. of in a veiled way, right? That they're kind of moving away from it. Yeah, yeah. Because Tosh Porno, as much as it's not really, you know, it's not stand up comedy. But it is a, a very famous stand-up comedian kind of getting to present, you know, a show that it revolves around a stand-up and that kind of right. persona. I mean, they canceled Lights Out with David Spade, which I loved. I loved that show. I thought it was, it was very funny. Yeah. yeah, it was super funny. All right. I wanted to talk about the new HBO movie, um, An American Pickle. What do you know about American Pickle? Uh, I know that it stars Seth Rogen in dual roles. Uh, it is about a man who in... Uh, who 100 years ago in Brooklyn uh, falls into a vat of pickles and is brined and is recovered in modern day. And uh, he, uh, (laughs) he has to encounter the real world. Now we, we talked about the trailer. We talked about how excited we were to watch a movie on a streamer. Yeah. And 
uh, now it came out and we've both watched it. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think it was a lot of fun. I think Seth Rogen did a great job in both roles, which yeah, I, which surprised me. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I like I believe in Seth Rogen. I believe he's a quality actor. I think right. that a lot of movies that have one actor playing multiple roles, they don't take it seriously. Yeah, they kind of seem like a gimmick movie. Yeah, and it and it's like you know there's there's winking at the audience throughout, and it seemed like Seth Rogen was not winking. That it was, yeah, it, that it was done with care, with legitimacy. Yeah. I think that Seth Rogen is like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A deceptively clever, like filmmaker. Okay. Because like, I think people from afar that grew up, like starting with his movies with like 40 year old virgin and uh, knocked up are like, Oh, Seth Rogen is just the same guy in every movie. And that's it. I think that it can seem that way from afar. And I do think he basically plays a version of himself in every movie. Right. But, um, I feel like he said, you know, he, cause Seth Rogen has a writing partner named Evan Goldberg. Yep. Um, <clears throat> their first movie they wrote together was super bad, which is like, to me, like one of my favorite comedies. Love it. I love Michael's Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill in that movie. And, uh, you know, I think super bad was like their high school comedy and knocked up was kind of like his like twenties comedy. Right. Even though I don't think that they wrote, wrote that. I don't think that they did. Um, and then, the Christmas one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt was their Christmas movie. Was it the night before? The night before. And then they made an animated movie. Um, this is the end was like their apocalypse movie. Right. And I think that even though, you know, Pineapple Express was their action movie. I think that even it, though it just seems like... 50-50 was their dramedy. 50-50 was their drama, which was yeah. fucking rough yeah. and a great movie. Yeah, I can't watch it. Yeah, me too. I, it, it, it makes me too sad. Me, I, and Brad, me and Brad both legitimately had... Like scary spine surgery. Yep. Mine was even scarier than yours. That's correct. And uh, I couldn't walk for a little bit. Remember that? Yes, I do. Not not fun. And uh, I talk about that in my episode with Brian for Tessie Town History. Oh, wow. Actually, yeah, because of because of opiate addiction. Um, but uh, I think that he made these movies. And and if you're just like the general public, you're like Seth Rogen's in another movie playing himself. But if you really look at it from a filmmaking perspective, like he is you realize he's making a different type of movie every time and he's kind of expanding his palette of what he can do. And I think it's cool because he's, he is like an A-list, you know, comedian in terms of right. like the amount of people that go to see his movies. It's cool. Cause neighbors is kind of like his college movie again. Oh, interesting. But with him as the grown up, right? Which is awesome. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's, in, it's already interesting that such a big person like Seth Rogen, such a famous comedian, is doing a movie that's being released directly to streaming services. Yes. Because that did not happen because of coronavirus. It was already planned for HBO Max when they were right. making it. And he made this movie where he's like, I guess this is the movie where he does the dual role thing. Right. And if you listen to Seth Rogen's recent interview with Mark Maron on WTF, he talked about how this movie was a little bit about the idea of Back to the Future, where Back to the Future was originally about what if you went to high school with your parents? Right. Would you get along? What were they like as in high school? You know, you know, would you like each other? Right. This was what if your great great grandfather or great grandfather met you as the same age? What would yep. he think of you as a person? Right. What do you think you're a total pussy? And yes. the answer is for Brad and for me. Oh yeah. <laughs> a double yes. Yes. And uh that's where it started. And um, that's where the, co the concept started. Then there came the idea. He wasn't supposed to play both roles at first. Oh, interesting. Then he thought that would be a fun challenge. Right. And it's cool because a lot of the, I think a lot of the funniest stuff, even if you don't like Seth Rogen, 
I think the stuff you think is the funniest from those movies, if you give them a chance, is like the improv conversations between like Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen right. and Jonah Hill, whatever. And in this, they do that with Seth Rogen as his young self and Seth Rogen as his old self. Right. And they're great. I think they, they did a great job because yeah. it's obviously not really improv. It just right. feels that way where it's like, you know, the older Seth Rogen, the great grandfather one from 1920 says, you know, he's like, we have a saying for men who don't, th- you know, who have a saying for men who don't throw a punch. And like, you know, the young Seth Rogen is like, oh, I'm sure this will be culturally relevant. Yeah. And he goes, if a man refused to throw a punch, it's because he has polio arm. And the other, and the other, the young Seth Rogen like throws his hands up and it seems so natural. Right. It's so good. Um, but what was really fun about this movie is like, I think it's pretty funny. There are some jokes that are super funny, but it is. it feels like it's not a mainstream comedy. Yes. Did you get that feeling? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It felt so, it was so absurd. They did so many, like they did fourth wall breaking jokes. I, obviously the idea of pickling someone for a hundred years and they're still alive is really funny. And then they did some topical stuff because that guy's trying to sell pickles like now. Yeah. And he goes to Brooklyn and he does it with just cucumbers and rainwater and salt. And that's it. Yep. And all the Brooklyn like hipsters, dickheads, the yeah. hipster dickheads are like love that he doesn't use any real preservatives and right. stuff. So uh, any chemicals. And then like, and tell me if you had this experience, because we're not going to spoil the movie. Right. We think everyone should go watch it. But like 35, 40 minutes in, you're like, yeah, I get it. Yep. You know, they're going to have a fight and then they're going to go this and then they're going to work together, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes completely off the rails yep. and takes a left turn and continues to take left turns. To me, it was it was three different movies. Right? And uh, and I, I appreciated that because I, right? I wasn't sure what was coming. I, yeah. You know, uh, and, and, you know, you would give me the heads up, like, you, you won't see where this is going. Yes. And, uh, and so I guess I knew to expect that yes. it wouldn't be the movie I thought it would be when I started, which is what I'm doing to everyone right now. Yes. Uh, I thought they handled, like religion in this movie in a way that I don't see a lot on yeah. the screen. Where that they, was, it was what Seth Rogen and Mark Maron talked about. Yeah. And Mark Maron said at the beginning of his episode, he goes, this is the Jewiest episode I've ever done. That's funny. Where they just talk about the idea of like, you know, the benefits that, that people have lost from, you know, being like, you know, in this movie, it's not really a spoiler, but right. Seth Rogen talks about how he lost his parents. It's in the trailer, actually, yeah. this line. And uh, the great grandfather says like, oh, if you're not, you know, if you're not practicing Jew anymore... Like, how do you handle their death? How do you right. handle dealing with that? And they really explore that in this. Um, and I thought it was great. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. And uh, just a, a side note on that. Uh, there was a woman, and I wish I remembered her name. I think it's something Sandberg. And she was like a CFO at Facebook yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And her husband tragically passed away. Yeah. And uh, she she's like, you know, I'm not Jewish, but they have these rights yeah. of like, you know, for seven days, it's this. And for 40 days, it's that. And she's like, and it's so nice to have a prescribed time and prescribed rituals mm. to help you process this grief. Mm. And and that's something that I, as a Christian, lack. Yeah. And so when I grieve, I don't know how long it's going to last. Or, <laughs> what like, the hell? Yeah, like, I, it, it's weird because, you know, you think about, like, part of it is like, oh, you're not really supposed to laugh and make jokes. And at my grandpa Bean Blossom's funeral, I was 12, uh, we were, like, downstairs planning our 4th like, of July celebration and, yeah. like, making jokes. And, mm. you know, it was all the, the boy cousins, like, mm. ages 12 through through 16 or whatever. Mm. Um, and so I don't know how much we were expected to like publicly grieve with the family. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, uh, just something I've, I've kind of always thought about, like since I read the article about, yeah. you know, this, this woman. So, right, right, right. Yeah. I really liked it. And I feel like it's more of a, 
as opposed to a mainstream comedy that might be put out by Sony, which is how Seth Rogen's movies are usually put out. Right. This feels like more like it has like a voice for like uh, absurdist, like darker, like comedians and filmmakers, like yeah. film people. Honestly, almost like the movie Palm Springs that came out earlier this right. summer with Andy Samberg, where you just, I don't think you'd see a mainstream movie go in the direction that it went in. Right. Right. I agree. And what's cool is that like, even though these huge companies like Hulu and HBO Max, Netflix, all these stuff, even though they're becoming the new mainstream media, I think because they're not like Sony, Paramount, all these huge theaters that are putting huge uh, production companies that are putting so much money to advertising, I almost feel like it allows these movies that they make or these these any project they make to be a little bit more avant-garde and a little bit more independent right. because they don't have the same responsibility in terms of bringing money in. Yes, I So agree. I thought American Pickle went in that in an awesome direction. Um, and I really, really enjoy, enjoyed the journey of watching it yeah. in a way that I think doesn't happen as much with mainstream comedy. I agree. So if you're like, man, I don't really like Seth Rogen. I didn't like Knocked Up, which which I, I to be completely honest, I didn't really relate to Knocked Up either. I didn't really, it's not a comedy I go back to. I do love Superbad. I love This Is The End. I really like this The Night Before. But if you don't like Seth Rogen and you think his comedies are just like mainstream comedies, whatever, give an American Pickle a chance on HBO Max because... It's going to surprise you and it's not going to be a cookie cutter comedy. I agree. Um, another new thing that came out this week or maybe last week is uh, a new series on Netflix. Now, Netflix has previously come out with the series Toys That Made Us and also Movies That Made Us. Right. And Toys That Made Us was about the behind the scenes production of the He-Man figures, the Ninja Turtles figures. I think they might have done a Power Rangers episode, maybe My Little Pony. They did a bunch of them. Right. And uh, I think they're fascinating, especially the Turtles one, Ninja Turtles. I love the Ninja Turtles. I love their merchandise, the Ninja Turtles. So to see an hour-long documentary about that, um, I loved it. Then they came out with Movies That Made Us. And it's kind of the same thing. It's it's, you know, it's a behind-the-scenes documentary of movies. You know, they did uh, Home Alone, which that was my, that was the best. That was great. The Die Hard they did. They did a bunch of them. Um, and so I kind of... Th- I saw this new documentary series. I saw a trailer for it on Netflix called High Score, and it's basically the history of the gaming industry. And I was like, you know what? They probably were going to make this games that made us. Yep. And instead of doing, but but the thing is, movies that made us and toys that made us are each episode is about a single property. Right. But when they went to go do this for video games, this is what I assumed. It didn't make as much sense to do like Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, it made more sense to tell it as a six episode story. Yeah. But from what, so I watched the first two episodes and I kind of changed my, I don't think it's the same team making it. Oh, okay. And I think that the, the series high score about the history of video games, it shocked me with its production value. I, you watched some of it. I watched the first episode. I loved it. Fucking awesome. And I'm, I'm someone who's read a lot of articles about the history of video games. Yes. And, uh, oh, space war and this and that. And it kind of skips over all the stuff from the sixties. Yes. And, uh, moves, you know, kind of starts with space invaders. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they do some, you know, oh, let's go back a little bit. Let's go forward a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, talk with the original creators yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, there's, there's, uh, archival footage and mm-hmm. I, I super impressed and entertained throughout at least the first episode. I can't speak to the second or anything after that. Uh, but man, really, really enjoyed like it. Like the, uh, the aesthetics and like yep. the, the, the interstitial stuff and yep. like the design of it with the coin in the beginning that yep. goes in the shoe and does all the things in terms of You know, of the there's, there's one where the guy is reminiscing about, you know, creating the villains for Space Invaders and they insert 
uh, CGI and in, in like the cityscape. And yes, that he's looking out on. Yeah, actively in the documentary. So interesting. It's so well done. I was I was I was overjoyed with the the quality of this documentary. Um, and did you see? I'm trying to think of it as an episode one or two. The part about the ET game for the Atari. Yes. And he goes to see Steven Spielberg, and they animate it like it's Steven Spielberg as a boss in a video game with right. the big shadow with yep. the with the baseball hat on. Oh, it was so good, and the stories are super interesting. Yep. Um, yeah, I loved it, and I loved the concept of finding out all the guys was it at MIT. Where were they? Yeah, it was at MIT, where they started making the upgrades to the games. Yep. And the company sued them, and instead of and they settled the lawsuit, but hired them to continue to make games for right. them. It was awesome. I was I was just. Uh, Really thrilled with it. I love it. And I'm going to watch the whole thing because it's yeah. great. And another documentary series I just started watching is HBO Max's I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yes, based on the book by Michelle McNamara. Yes. Um, so Michelle McNamara um, is the late wife of Pat Oswalt. Right. And she was uh, a true crime writer. And she was like feverishly following the story of the golden state killer this uh, this like this murderer this murderer that did all his murders and rapes i guess in like the 70s right and it was just a cold case it just went cold and no one ever figured out who it was and she i guess became kind of obsessed with like there are so many clues there are so many similarities from different things i can't believe this went dark and what happened was i think it was a year ago about a year or a year and a half ago um i got well a little while ago she suddenly passed away right while she was writing this book about this then pat oswalt felt like he needed her work to be finished so he helped get the book finished right right um actually our podcast got invited to an event in boston but to put on by wbur where pat oswalt came and did a talk about it and right. i went to that talk yep um and so they finished the book the book came out and soon after the golden state killer was actually caught right now. I don't know how much that has to do with the book because I'm, I just started the documentary series, right. but it was caught. I actually think last week he was sentenced as well. Wow. Um, just in terms of like the, the time timetable of this podcast. Right. Um, and I guess the book did so well and it was such an interesting story that they put together this documentary about it with archival footage of hers, her old journals, her old like blog, all the stuff from the book. Patton Oswalt and all the victims that lived. Wow. And like me and Gina started watching it. It's awesome. Again, A plus, and I'll, I'll get into my feelings about documentary stuff now in a minute. A plus, but so dark. Yeah. Like I watched dark stuff. Like we watched uh, Evil Genius on Netflix. Right. And I was the Ted Bundy. I was yeah. no, no, no. No, e no, Evil Genius is the one about the pizza, the collar. Oh, all the right. collar yeah, bomb right. on the pizza right. delivery okay. boy. I was in, I was like, it took over my life. I loved it every day. I was looking forward to seeing it. It was so interesting. But all those people were dead. Yeah. And, and not all of them, but but most of them were dead. And you're dealing with the people behind the scenes that, that kind of figured this out. This one, he did a bunch of murders, the Golden State Killer, but he did a lot of rapes. Yeah. And all those rape victims are in it as telling the story of what happened. Right. And it's a lot heavier and darker than a lot of these documentaries. Probably series. not a great time for me to watch it. <laughs> it was just like, Pandemic, I was like, oh very my sad. God. And the filmmakers are fucking murdering it with like, they show a house. Yep. And then they'll be like, you know, the person's telling the story. And they'll be like, yeah, he like, they're like, you know, he crept in, blah, blah, blah. 
and they lower lights so that the trees like have the shadows in the house and they right. start getting longer and stretching over the house. Oh. And it's like, oh, it's so atmospheric. They do such a good job from a filmmaking standpoint. And it is rough. You know, it's it's a rough, uh, it's a it's kind of a rough watch, but it's really... Like mentally prepare before you watch it. Yeah, and yeah. also it's cool though because at the same time, Michelle McNamara, as a true crime writer, the idea of finding a cold case, becoming obsessed with it, hunting it down and getting that person eventually enough in the limelight that they become arrested. That's like the ultimate goal. So you're watching this terrible recount of all of his rapes and murders. And you're also watching like her victory story. Yeah. Because it's all about her too. Right. You know, she's telling the story. It's basically two stories at once. One, all the terrible shit that he did. Right. Other story her pursuit of him. Yeah. Way, way later, you know, 30 years later. So I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's especially if you like true crime stuff, which I don't, I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but man, the documentary series that are well put together. Oh, I love it. Are you suggesting that we find a cold case here in Rhode Island Whoa! and solve it? Whoa! On our just, podcast? Just throwing that out there. Tesdy Town History. Yep. Followed up. By Chuck and Brad, solve the murders of, so who knows? We, we don't know yet. We haven't looked up which murders we're going to wow. solve yet. Are there some true crime? Let me go cold I'm on. sure there are, there are famous cold cases in Rhode cold Island. Cold cases. And if, right. if oh anyone can solve them, it's Chuck and Brad. Okay, ready? All right. Uh, 23-year-old Greg Hart's body was found in the Woonasquaket River several days after he had gone missing from the Red Room Bar in Providence, Rhode Island. All right. He was last seen by a group of friends um, March 14th, 1.40 a.m., 2010. Whew. The Rhode Island medical that- examiner ruled that the dead of Massachusetts man drowned. There are reports that Hart was visibly intoxicated and left the Red Room Bar by himself. He was allegedly seen downtown Sunday morning wearing a gray leather biker jacket, a green hooded sweatshirt with black pants and black shoes. After Hart was reported missing, the Providence police started to search for him. Instead, friends found his body less than a mile from where he was last seen. Providence police do not believe that foul play paired apart in Hart's death. His family disagrees and pressed for another autopsy. According to a family member, his cell phone was physically destroyed Hmm. and not damaged by exposure to water. They believe that Greg Hart was in physical confrontation and was murdered. The family's offering a $70,000 reward. We're not in this for the money, Chuck. For information that may lead to information of criminal intent against Greg Hart. We're in this. 70,000. That's too soon. That case isn't cold enough. It's not cold enough? No. It's freezing cold. It's It's 10 years. 10 years. No, no, no. I'm going to leave a hot sandwich on your counter for 10 years. You'll see how cold it is in 10 years. All right, let's see. Wow, there's a lot of them. What kind of sandwich? How, how old do you want it to be? Like 30 years. 30 years. It's 2020. So 1990? Yeah. Ugh, I, was I got alive. one from 1986. All right. There we go. Let's start there. Uh, well, I'll, I'll read you the headlines and you tell me which one you want to hear. We, well, we also we also need to pick out a case where the uh, assailant w- is going to take a DNA test for some reason. 23 and me or something. <laughs> That's right. Ready? Yes. Uh, here, here's the headlines for Rhode Island cold cases. Decades-old murder of West Warwick woman still an active case. Mm. Mysterious death of 17-year-old still haunts family nearly half a century later. Ooh, mysterious. Bizarre twist in death of family man. Okay, bizarre twist. Who killed woman found behind Pawtucket Bar? No. Woman's homicide still unsolved more than 10 years later. Can't there be like a jaywalking case from 30 years ago that we Christmas can solve? Christmas Day murder still unsolved? Oh, Is that one fun? We, we, Could we do we, it for Christmas this we, year? <laughs> that'll be our Christmas episode. <laughs> we, we, Christmas 
<laughs> we solve a cold case in three months. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Show up at the family's house on Christmas Day. We've got, we've got the perp in cuffs. We, you know, they're just wrapped up under the tree in handcuffs. No, it would be so sad. It would. But justice would be served. Mystery man on December 25th, 2003. Roy Weber was found dead from a gunshot wound in the oh, Johnson. Why are they all death? On the Johnson and Wales campus in <gasps> Providence. The 22-year-old had a tough life and was known to have been a drug user and a gay hustler. What does that mean, Brad? <laughs> what is a gay hustler? Uh, one who hustles. I know, but what about the gay? Well, they're happy. I, I, I want to know about the gay hustler. What does that mean? Uh, I don't. I, there are a lot of things that it could mean. Hours before the discovery of his body. I assume he was really good at pool and just pretended like he wasn't. He was last seen on a video camera with a mystery man at the criminally troubled Cathedral Square Apartments in Providence. Okay. (laughs) There's some strange wording in this. There really is. The criminally troubled Cathedral Square. Detectives are trying to find the identity of this mystery man. If you can identify this man or have information... Do you want to make that our Christmas episode is solving the murder of Roy Weber? You know, I'm not going to commit to it 100%. Just seems Imagine like if we did. some of our beloved Chubies would actually call us on that. Like, hey, uh, weren't you going to solve this cold case? Like, I'm too sad to leave my apartment. How am I supposed to solve this cold case? It'd be crazy. It'd be so crazy if... Uh, if we solved a cold case for w- our Christmas episode. It would be crazy if we solved a case we saw committed. <laughs> Much less one that happened 17 years ago. Yeah, you're right. Gay hustler. What does that mean? They'd be like, Chuck and Brad, who ate this pie? And there's like <clears throat> blueberry stains around our mouths. We've got crust for uh, pie crust down wow. in the front of us. Don't know who did it, sir. Wow. That's a cold case. Man, that's crazy. I don't know. Don't read more details. <laughs> it's going to make you sad. Oh, man. Well, uh, Chuck and Brad wrote a book. It's called We'll Be Gone in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. We may or may not solve a cold case for our Christmas episode up this in the year. Air. Yeah. Um, anyway, what I was going to say about these documentaries is like, I just feel like 25 years ago, or let's say 20 years ago, 2000, Right, Brad and Chuck are barely born, not really, and uh, I just feel like there was like these documentaries that would take over the public, like, uh, what's the word, consciousness? Yeah. And people would be like, this documentary is so great, King Bowling of Kong. for Columbine, yeah. King of Kong, and that would happen like once every couple of years. Right. And what happens now is I think documentaries are higher in quality. Yes. And they come out every week. Yep. A new series, a new, you know, a new movie. Like there's a documentary on Netflix called Tacos and I put it on for five seconds and it's incredible. It's all, it all takes place in Mexico. Okay. 100% uh, subtitles, Day of the Dead. They have this like, it's the first episode is just the Al Pastor taco. Wow. And it's like an hour about the Al Pastor taco. They have it on a huge spit, like a gyro, yep. you know, like that kind of meat. And it looks so delicious. Yes, but, uh, it sounds delicious. I'm very hungry right now. But between like, you know, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, all these, you know, all these different things, like these, do- we're, we're so spoiled. We're like an A plus documentary that someone like ripped their heart out making perfect. Right. Comes out constantly. Right. Like I was even watching, uh, what was it? What was I watching where it was like, oh, this is incredible. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it was the video game one. I think it, maybe it was 
where it's just like, yeah, yeah, it was when they were opening it. And it was a close-up of those 80s TVs. And it was going down the NES cartridges. Yeah. And it was closing up on this as people were telling the story. I really deal with a lot of similar issues because when I make uh, videos with Tell Him Steve Dave, so much of it is people talking. Right. And there's a, as, a, as a filmmaker with me, I'm going, how much of this do I cover with examples of what they're talking about? Right. And how much do I show of them? But like those long sweeping shots, like when they have like let's say a phone conversation recorded from who did you say the murderer what's his name which you, you just said his name um he's people think he's handsome ted bundy ted bundy yeah they have like on the on the ted bundy documentary yep they have like a phone recorded conversation they'll start from far away right this shot of like an answering machine old school yep. with the tape and it'll start spinning and they'll do a slow push into it as they play it right that's a choice that, that that doesn't exist. Right. They're not really playing a tape like that. No. They're saying what's going to give you the idea of this. What's going to build the atmosphere of this? And these documentaries, I'll be going in the dark, Evil Genius, um, High Score, movies that made us, toys that made us. They're so well made, and I feel like we're spoiled. Yes. So like yeah, I might get to the end of that. I might get to the rest of that. When it's right. like, if this came out in 1995, it's like people are like you know giving it an Oscar. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's crazy. I almost feel bad for the people making these movies. Because it's like, you can really labor over every second, and now it's just normal. Right. I think that people deal with the same thing when it comes to special effects. Yeah. Like, we watched uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the new one, and remember I was like kind of taken aback with the special effects in that? Yes, I do. It is like normal. You know what I mean? You right. watch all these Marvel movies, and Jurassic World, and Transformers, and, and whatever is new, and we really, I think, take for granted that there's just like these A plus mind bending special effects like constantly. Right. You know? All right. So kind of this brings us to our main talk. Um, this is something that I think me and you are going to differ on. I hope so. So DC. I comics. call it CD. CD <laughs> comics. DC comics did a big event this week called DC fandom. Now let's, let's, let's be frank here. DC. Let's say this Marvel has taken their comic properties and over the past 12 years they've pretty much maximized any type of success you could have with a movie series right they've i think they've blown every movie series in history out of the water oh, in yeah. terms of like mo money made and yep. success even critical success you got to think black panther which is one of the most well-reviewed movies in history was like the 15th marvel movie or right. something like that um as well as Endgame. Endgame is the is the is the crown jewel on the Marvel franchise. So Marvel said, we're going to take our rich history of comic book characters. You know, they were almost went bankrupt in the mid-90s, so they had to shop out all their licensing rights all over the place to Fox and Sony. Um, and they took their characters, and they made, like, the most successful franchise of all time, now up to, like, 23 movies, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so DC arguably a more storied organization. Batman and Superman. Batman and Superman were both pre-Spider-Man, right. right? They kind of try to do the same thing at the same time. And this is after, or I guess coinciding with Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, right? which is very well reviewed and made tons of money and, and you know, they're great movies. They followed that up with like, let's do the same thing as Marvel. Let's create a shared universe between our films. Man of Steel. Uh, Batman v Superman. That was the Dawn second one? Yeah. Wow. 
Batman vs Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, Aquaman yeah. Suicide Machines, Suicide, nope. Suicide Machines, Suicide Machines is one of my favorite punk bands. Yes, Suicide Squad. Uh, then Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad pals, Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey. Um, uh, Suicide Squad pals was the first draft, so <laughs> I understand why that's still in your brain. That was on Nickelodeon, the Suicide yes. Squad pals. Yes, um, they're but, like, hey, we have an issue. <laughs> With one With word. The, <laughs> yeah. So Suicide Squad friends? Yeah, yes. There so DC tries to do the same thing, but they pretty much like get like critically panned. And I'm sure those movies did okay in the box office right. for the most part. I think Wonder Woman did really well. Yes. I believe Aquaman did really well. Aquaman did great financially. Yes. And then I think the rest of them, they, I, I'm sure they at least made their money back. Right. Um, but in terms of six potential success, especially with the popularity of these characters and the critical, the lack of critical success, they didn't do as well as they would hope. So over those years where someone like me, someone like you, is just like, oh yeah, they're coming out with a new movie. It's like, you know, you see Iron Man, you see Spider-Man Homecoming, you see Doctor Strange, Avengers, um, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, all these movies from Marvel, they're so good. Like, yes. you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War, all these things. We, they're just high quality, well done movies. Um, you know, objectively, I think that that's how they're viewed, I think, as like mainstream summer blockbusters. Where DC is just like not hitting that mark. They're just not coming up to, you know, that kind of well-rounded story or maybe even a director that has a real specific voice. Maybe it's more controlled by a studio and the future and franchising options as opposed to something like Black Panther where maybe the aesthetic and the story comes first, right? Right. They, they, you know, the, 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 the newer DC movies, the DCEU fails to live up to the Nolan verse. Right. With, but beforehand, which is not part of a shared universe. Right. And me and you have basically kind of lost faith in the brand. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we, we both loved the trailer for man of steel as people who, yes. And, and, and thought the movie was fine. Yeah. As people who love mainstream cinema, yep. appreciate summer blockbusters, we love it, we're, we're happy to go support that stuff, and we think it's fun, and we think it brings people together, we see the positives. Even we have fallen away from, like, Batman versus Superman was so convoluted after Superman wasn't great right. that you and I haven't even seen Justice League yet. That's correct. You know? Um and then we we did see Suicide Squad, and that was not good. We saw Wonder Woman in theaters, and that was that was good. I, thought that was I think good. we both enjoyed it. Yes. And then we saw Aquaman in theaters, and I thought that that was pretty ridiculous. But yeah. like, okay, yeah. I guess not. I'm not really interested. Aquaman no. too. I'm not interested. No. Um, Suicide Squad. I didn't think was very good, even though they had an excellent trailer and maybe an excellent opening seven minutes. Right. And then Birds of Prey, I thought was really forgettable. I still haven't seen it. And I think Margot Robbie is incredible as Harley Quinn. Right. Um, but. Uh, we, we, you know, you and I, who are like the people that would you'd think would be just like, yeah, hundred percent. We're just like not interested at all. And I was, and I, you know, I to, uh, to be fair, movie that falls completely outside of this continuity is Joker, and I love Joker. Yeah, Joker was very good. And honestly, if like before last week, we were like, are you interested in new DC stuff from this universe? I'd be like, no, not really. Yeah, I'd say you know, like I, I maybe I could be, but right now, yeah. No. Then. DC Fandom, which I didn't even understand. Why, why do they call it that? What the hell did they do it under a dome? 
You know what? Yes. I don't <laughs> why, know. Why, why did they call I don't that? Know. Because when you when you spell something wrong, you can trademark it. Oh, okay. That's why in the, the late 90s, WWF slash WWE, the Hardy Boys were spelled with a Z. Really? Because you can trademark it, yeah. Well, also the Hardy Boys existed. Right. You can't hard, you, you know, the Hardy Boys are probably, the original Hardy yeah. Boys are probably trademarked too. Mm, I, I think they could have u- wrestled under that name and been okay. No. At, but, at, you know. the du- the Apple Dumpling Gang? The, the Dudley Boys, spelled with a Z. Apple Dumpling Gang. What about them? Trademarked. Yeah? The gang. I, I don't know. <laughs> and, and maybe trademark has changed since the, the Apple 60s, Dumpling gang? since the Apple Dumpling, <laughs> since Don Knotts started a film about kids. By the way, the reason, the reason, the reason why I say that is because we tried to make our own Apple Dumpling Gang movie last night. Last, last year, Disney stopped us dead in our they tracks. Did. <laughs> They did. It um, was a, we were a, it was it was a, a very gritty take on the Apple Dumpling Gang. I remember very <laughs> gritty. I remember you saying we spell it wrong. It's the Dumpling Gang. Yes. <laughs> lot, lot of, what did the Apple Dumpling Gang do? Yeah, I don't remember. I, I I remember renting that from an independent video store when I was young. My mother picked it out, and uh, and she's like, "You'll like this movie." I was probably seven years old and didn't know any better. <laughs> was it like a "You'll like what I tell you" situation? Yeah, I think so. It was one of those where we we're like oh, looking through the Disney movies, and that's what she picked out. And then I found out it's on Disney Plus. The yeah. Apple Dumpling Gang is, and she watched it with uh, my niece and nephew, with her grand uh, grandkids, where she was like, "Let's pick out a movie." Okay, I pick out Apple. Dumpling dumpling gang so i guess my mom is a hardcore apple dumpler after three poor orphans are sent to live with gambler russell donovan played by bill bixby okay they discover that they have actually inherited a large fortune from their dead father soon a series of greedy undesirables showed up they try to get their hands on the money so in order to keep things uncomplicated the kids decide to give their inheritance to a lovable outlaw duo uh seems like that makes it more complicated (laughs) I question the wisdom of these apple dumplings. And they also, this took place in the Wild West. Yes. Theodore on Don Nuts and Amos, Tim Conway. But there's only one problem. The gold is locked away in a bank vault. Vault. What does that mean? Hold on. They try to get their hands on the money. Keep reading. <laughs> in order to keep things uncomplicated, the yep. kids decide to give their inheritance to a lovable outlaw duo. <laughs> Definitely seems like it'd make it way more complicated. I'll say in the reboot, folks, guess who played that lovable outlaw duo? <laughs> Don't give anything away. <laughs> We got sued. We can't make it. Yes. Um, Disney took me for everything. My idea about the field goal kicking mule. That's actually a movie called Gus. Also available on Disney Plus. I, you know, I showed... Oh. Okay, so I, I have a dog named Swiss Miss, and she's like, uh, the best dog in the world. I love Swiss more than I ever thought a human could love a dog. Yep. And uh, she's super curious. She's amazing. I, I love Swiss Miss. And we were watching, she, she likes animals to watch animals on TV. And I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that basically dogs couldn't see TVs until a couple of years ago because the refresh rate oh, okay. was lower. And so they would see like flashes of light. Right. Like almost like when you film the TV and yeah, you see and that. The, yep. And now refresh rates are so much faster that dogs can actually watch television. Oh, thank goodness. And so we watch Jurassic World sometimes and she's like, she's like, what the fuck is that thing? You know what yeah. I mean? She loves it. Yeah. She keeps turning and that she like, she'll turn and look at you and then tilt her head. And you're yeah. like... <laughs> It's an Indoraptor. I, and, and she tilts her head the other way. You're like, I know it's the same as the previous movie, but smaller. I get it. Yes. No. And then she shakes her head and looks back at the screen. <laughs> we, we were watching uh, Air Bud. And she was 
fucking so confused. Like she's like, that's not. I can't do that. She was. She was real confused. She, she jumped off the bed and got a ball and like came back up and she was trying to dunk it in the hamper and it just wasn't happening. And I was like, Air ball. <laughs> Just you're, you're just not supportive. That's why she's doing poorly. I gotta say, they, you can look up like koala fights on YouTube. <laughs> okay. When I show Swiss koala fights, she loses her shit. Like she cries. Oh, loud. then why would you show it to her more than once? The koala, koala bears are just like, like they they're slow kind of, but they're also yeah. very emotional. I guess I don't know. And man, Swiss seeing a koala in trouble, she like jumps off the bed and stands up on the TV with her paws on it, and she cries and looks at you like. How can we help this koala? Okay. It's really cute. Very helpful. Anyway, so uh, DC Fandome. I don't know why it's called that. And they're like, I, I didn't even know what it was going into it. They're like, DC Fandome is this week. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. They're going to say like on Supergirl, Bizarro Supergirl is going to show up next season. And yeah. I didn't think it was going to be anything. Um, and, and by the way, in terms of DC shows, I've never watched them. Uh, from what I hear, people like them a lot. Yeah. I just don't watch a lot of dramas on television. Right. Um, I'm sure they're good. And uh, I think it's easier. I think it'd be easier to do a serialized show. And I think that one of the faults of the DC movies is they try to do too much in a movie. Yeah. And bring too much forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they did DC fandom. And, you know, just, I mean, this is how I, uh, I guess, engage with like movie big news. Like if San Diego Comic-Con happens or this happens, or this happens. Like I have my RSS feeds, which, you know, re give me all the news from like this comic book website, right. this movie website and this video game website and all this news started coming, pouring in. First thing I saw trailer for the new Gotham Knights video game, yes. which looks awesome. And it looks like a continuation of the Batman Arkham series. Looks like, looks like, and I was like, this looks great. It looks like all the same kind of controls, very similar, which, which, you know, we played Arkham Knight. We hosted a, we hosted a midnight for GameStop, Chuck and Brad, Batman midnight, that was, was hilarious. It was bizarre. Maybe we should revisit that oh, on a show. People fuck. people would, might like that a oh, lot. They might. Oh, man. That was fucking hilarious. Um, that would be great, actually. Oh, that would be fun to do. It would be fun. All right. Maybe yeah. we'll do it soon. All right. Um, and uh, we, we hosted a, a midnight for GameStop of the release of Arkham Knight, and the manager gave us a copy of the game. Right. Each of us. And I played through it, and like I had never played Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. I loved Arkham Knight. Yeah, it was fun. It was so good. And so this new Gotham Knights game, I'm like, this looks really, really good. Batman is dead. And uh, the people that helped him, like Robin, Batgirl, like Azrael, and, and Nightwing. Nightwing. Yeah. Um, you have to be them and you have to like take over. Looks great. Like, that's really cool. Then they were like, by the way, that's not the continuation of it is the not. Arkham series. There's another Batman game coming out in that continuity called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. And Superman is basically turned bad, and you're the just the uh, Suicide Squad, like Harley Quinn, the Big Shark guy, Boomerang, and someone else. And you're you have to kill Superman, who is turned evil. And that trailer, which doesn't include any gameplay, looked awesome. Yep. And I was like, well, whatever. That's just the video games, you yeah. know. Who cares? Like, you know, maybe I'll play those games if I have the time. That looks really fun. You still haven't played Spider Man for the PS4. It's true. Yep. Then, and we'll talk about this kind of on its own. Uh, the news came out, you know, and this has been kind of circling the new flash movie, which yes. is in the continuity of the new DC movies. Michael Keaton is coming back from the 1989 and 1992 Batman movies to play Batman right in the new flash movie. And Ben Affleck is returning as Batman because this flash movie 
will be about multiverses and and I'll include the cinematic multiverse of the DC movies over the years. Right. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, that is amazing. That is one thing that the DC is beating Marvel to. The idea the of a idea, multiverse. Is, yeah. is taking the idea of the multiverse, not just using it, right. but taking it to bring the film series with the different actors and the different time periods together and making them make sense. Right. And I was like, that's ballsy. That will get me to the theater to see a new DC movie. You too? I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll Keaton. go. I'll go because you're you won't go without me. Uh, <laughs> you have to dress as the penguin. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but that's how I normally dress when I go to the theater. I want you to be the penguin, like where he's all bloody and he has the <laughs> black blood and the fish guts I suspect all over. Him. <laughs> that will happen. Yeah. It. Uh, you know, it's it's weird because like I was psyched about all these other properties. I don't want to get my hopes up again. You know what they say? Okay, okay, well, fool me going. four times. <laughs> fool me nine times. Um. So then. I see uh, the, the first footage from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Right. And when James Gunn got fired by Marvel a couple of years ago, um, for a short amount of time, he went over to DC and he made a Suicide Squad movie. Yep. Um, you know, I guess I'd say in between Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Guardian- Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is to be, to be filmed um, with Harley Quinn and John Cena and all these different people. And that movie, it's it's weird because it looks good, just like the previous Suicide Squads looked good. Right. But James Gunn, I trust him so much when making the Guardians movies that I think that if someone's going to make a good Suicide Suicide Squad movie, it's James Gunn. I hope so. So I see that and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. That's really cool. Then we're also reading about... They're doing the Snyder Cut of Justice League when we didn't even watch Justice League. We did not. But uh, but from a filmmaking perspective, I love the idea of the original director going back in and saying, I don't like what came out. A lot of, I don't know if everyone knows that what happened was Snyder was filming it. Yep. His daughter committed suicide. Do you know that? Yes. And that's why he walked away from the project and then Joss Whedon finished it. Right. And he now years later, he's saying people, you know, people shit on Suicide Squad or uh, Justice League. And Snyder is saying, that's not my movie. That's not what I wanted to right. make. Let me show you mine. And they announced that's going to be a four-hour cut for one-hour episodes. Oh, okay. And I'm like, that's awesome to revisit it. Even though yep. I haven't seen it, I love the idea of him coming in and saying that. And I'm all excited. I'm like, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. Then the new Batman trailer drops. The Batman starring the Batman. Robert Pattinson. Yes. And Colin Farrell. Did you see him? Yes, I did. Amazing. Yep. Um, and, uh, what's his name from Westworld? That guy is awesome. Yeah. He plays Bernard. I know him as Narcisse from, uh, Boardwalk Empire, but yes. I don't know his actual name. Right. I don't, neither do I. And that trailer, the Batman trailer blew my balls off. How are your balls? They're still on. Not I, even a little bit off? I, a little bit, but they're still hanging on by a thread. <laughs> by a thread. <laughs> you know what? So you that means you're pretty excited. When, the, when they're, if when you, the, if you when they're as light as my balls are, they can't, like the thread can hold on for a long time. <laughs> say if you told someone i watched the batman trailer <laughs> balls are hanging on by a thread that means you're incredibly excited is that what you meant <laughs> I, I i i i'm probably the most excited about that yes uh but that's because i like batman the most <laughs> i can't wait for someone to be like if someone says to me like oh is brad excited for the batman i'm like he said he watched the trailer his balls are hanging on by a thread you have to provide the context that your balls are blown all the way off. Yours are a county over. It has nothing to do with it. Yes, it does. Brad? I was merely responding 
I was comparing, I was using Brad the said. scale of enthusiasm set by you. Brad and said. I was telling you I'm less enthusiastic. Brad said, I saw the Batman trailer and my balls are hanging out by a thread. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's technically accurate, but come on. That's fucking bizarre, man. Anyway, my balls are long gone. Yes. They pack their, you know, people say goodbye. (laughs) So I thought the Batman trailer was fucking amazing. It feels exactly like another Nolan movie. It does. Right? And that's, uh, you know, that's part of why I'm most excited. But what do you really, think about I, that Batmobile? I, it looks great. Oh, what do you think about the Riddler stuff with the human bomb and the duct, phone duct tape to his hand? I'm impressed. Oh. But again, we loved the trailer for Man of Steel. Oh, I love it. It could only be great. <laughs> right, you're, you're missing. You're missing the point of what I'm driving at here. So anyway, here's what I say. And then we saw the Wonder Woman trailer, which we've seen a couple trailers for. Right. I had the first trailer for Wonder Woman 84. That's what it's called. Yep. The first trailer was great. This one with Kristen Wiig turning into a cat is a little odd. Yes. Seems kind of Aquaman-y in yep. terms of like jumping the shark, but whatever. I'll give it a shot. Um, but I got to say, DC fandom, with those announcements of all the stuff I just said, they made me believe they might be turning it around. And here's what else I'll say. Okay. You're right. I believe the Man of Steel trailer was going to be great. I believe blah, blah, blah. I believe all this stuff. However, those movies all came out and failed. Suicide Squad... Man of Steel, Justice League, Batman vs. Superman. Then they made Joker. Right. And people, like, did Joaquin win the Oscar? I don't remember. People fucking Did they have Oscars this year? Like, honestly, it's been been so hard. He won something. Yeah. Remember he said, like, the babies and their cows, they're milking their cows. He did a big speech and everyone's pissed off about it. Yeah. Um, Joker did so well that you have to be a desperate fool with his balls barely clinging to his leg. Uh Uh-huh. To believe, <laughs> to believe that that knee is <laughs> a long thread. <laughs> I guess long thread for short balls. <laughs> that's your that's your autobiography title. <laughs> One of many. You have to be a fool to believe that that's not going to affect how they make the Batman. But mm. when did they make the Batman versus when? Did, like, ah, so they, they, I mean, when did Joker come out? Right. Well, when when was Batman written and? Nah. Locked. I I think that they're still working on it. You think? Do you think? No, because you got to think. Joker came out a while ago, right? right? Yeah. I don't know when the release was. Um, let me see. Joker release October fourth, two thousand nineteen. Oh, not that long ago. Nope. Uh, I don't know. I think it affected it. All right. In some ways, especially in the edit. I don't know. Anyway, um, I think they saw that those movies failed when they were making the Batman, and I think the Batman is going to be affected by those failures, and they're going to say. We had these movies, these three movies with with Nolan and Bale, and they did so well. And then we had this series of movies that were pretty hit or miss. All the Batman stuff was a miss. They have to be affected by that. Yeah, I, I want them to be good. Yeah. I'm just less... Yeah. Uh, You're nervous about being burned again. Yes. Yeah, I hear you. Um, it turned me around, though. I really, I really, I'm excited for Flash now. Right. I'm excited for the new Batman movie. I think that maybe... It's, it's weird. What do you think is, is causing this issue where Marvel is succeeding 20 times in a row and DC is failing so many times? What's going on? I don't know if it's, uh, I, don't, I, I guess, where the decisions are being made. Yes. You know, yeah. if, if, it's, if it's people who really care about the characters are making yeah. the decisions or people who care about the bottom line, or if Marvel's executives or, you know, Marvel slash Disney, if the executives 
are looking at the projects and saying, you know, we can we can have our cake and eat it too. We can hire these different directors mm. and, you know, impose Give looser guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, looser guidelines. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if Zack Snyder, you know, I guess if Zack Snyder and James Gunn switch places mm. and James Gunn makes the first Suicide Squad movie or yeah. the Justice League movie yeah. and Zack Snyder makes Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe we're having a different conversation. Yeah, that's what I think um, too. And, you know, it's... it's, it's I, making movies, especially these blockbusters, there's, it's such a team effort. Yes. And so at some point the, the team is failing and it's, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily believe it's the director or the writer failing. I believe it's something in the corporate structure. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully they've loosened that up a little bit yeah. and, uh, and, and we'll get some, uh, some projects that we can get behind. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. But uh, I really like this really turned me around, like the flash thing going into it with Michael Keaton and Ben, ben Affleck. That's going to at least tickle your tickle your your, you know, you're barely hanging on ball. Yeah, you know, a little bit. I, I'm, I'm probably the most intrigued by that because I like Michael Keaton. Me too. Yeah. And it's great to see him go Batman, Birdman, Birdman. Yeah. Vulture. Yep. Vulture, by the way, continual in the Morbius Morbius movie. Yep. Batman. Yep. It's fucking awesome. And I'll say this. So this is coming. You know, I'll, I'll end with this. Um, I really, I really think that it's possible that with Dr. Strange two, uh, the next, you know, one of the next Marvel movies coming up, yep. which is directed by Sam Raimi, right. Who directed the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. It's called the multiverse of madness. Is there a chance that Tobey Maguire comes back as Spider-Man in that movie? Hmm. It, uh, for more than a cameo? No. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I mean as a cameo. Yeah. Like, I guess there, that Tom Holland was actually supposed to be in Spider-Verse. Yep. Um, but they didn't, I don't know if they didn't find anything for him or they felt like it felt too far outside of yeah, it. Yeah, they were going to they were gonna have a scene with uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and yeah. um, Tom Holland. See, it's funny because that's where this makes sense. Like if, like Marvel now should be using the multiverse concept to, to unify the previously uh, Fox-owned X-Men. Right. Uh, the old Spider-Man, whoever else, you know what I mean? Right. They could, they could even pull from like older stuff if they want to for fun. Um, but DC is going to beat them to it, I think. Right. And they're going to do it first. And, um, we'll see how that goes. Do you think Marvel's going to get there and they're going to do that? I, you know, I hope so because they have so much, so many properties to draw on and so many unique storylines to draw on, you know, I, I hope that they explore that just so we can get the idea of an old man Logan on film one day or a planet Hulk or you know, and, well, all these and, different things. And the idea that like, if everything is going to be remade from Godzilla to Spider-Man to whatever, using comic book stories makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, there, there's just so many properties that I want to see on film and, uh, you know, the, like, you know, are they building up to an Avengers versus X-Men storyline? Is their next big, like, if uh, Endgame style yes. thing? Or are they just saying, you know, we we did Endgame. We're not going to build towards another Endgame. Because no, there I, can't I be think, another Endgame. I think, I think that they are going to do that eventually. But what I was going to, what I was kind of going to say is like, with Godzilla, there's no way to say, here's now's Godzilla. Right. Interacting with the old Godzilla and they're working together and it makes sense. Yeah. But with storylines from DC and Marvel, where they both have already talked about the multiverse, they've both already explained it, and they can make it in their movies, and they can make a movie where Michael Batman, Michael Michael Keaton's Batman, and Ben Affleck's Batman work together to do something. Right. It's worked into the story. They should all take advantage of that. Yes. And Marvel is is like the main place because there are even more scattered rights of 
Wolverine, yeah. as you know, Hugh Jackman um, in the old X-Men movies. Um, Tobey Maguire is Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield is Spider-Man. Um, Eric Bana's Hulk. You know what I mean? The, yep. Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Yep. Like, or, the, or even the, uh, you know, the Netflix shows. Every Anyway, in the storyline, they can actually build in the fact that these were separate universes. Right. And that actually makes sense. It sure does. So, so as opposed to saying... How come these characters didn't cross over a long time ago? You get to say that was a different universe. Right. And that's amazing, I yep. think. And so that's why I hope they do use it. You know, I, I love the idea of Michael Keaton seeing, you know, a new Batmobile and comparing it to the Batmobile that yeah. he had in his, where he's like, can it drive up a wall? You like, could do, you could do, um, uh, you could do a 10 movie series of the, of all the different versions of superheroes together. And I watch every single one of that's them. That's true. Just for stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for now, I am cautiously optimistic and I'm turned around on DC and I'm fucking excited for what's coming next. Whereas like a year ago, two years ago, I was like, I'm not really interested right now. I'm all in. I mean, I'm I guess back then, in. they then, turned it. I don't know how they turned it around for me. Yep. A lot of interesting ideas, new cool concepts, different takes on stuff. They brought me back in. DC fandom is supposed to get you hyped. So it I'm did hyped. its job. And you know what? I didn't even watch the rock as black Adam thing right. because I know it's not really a trailer. Right. I'm excited to see The Rock become a superhero. Oh, yeah. Even he's, even even more than he's been. He's, he's the number one guy who should be a superhero. That's correct. Um, but that's pretty much it, man. I wanted to talk about that stuff. I thought that was fun. Next week, we'll return with another episode in our mini-series of Tessie Town History. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Uh, so, folks out there, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise, or if you want to submit... Uh, an idea for the horror film series that yeah. we're supposed to watch, send us an email, chuckandbrad at gmail.com or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. Yes. Or you could interact with the posts on Twitter or Instagram about this episode, episode 480. Yes. Or Facebook, the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Whatever you want. Um, thank you all so much for listening. We really and truly do appreciate it. That's all I've got. That's all I got. Deuces. Just wanna have fun Girls just wanna